Yeah, I thought Gary was going to come on and wear his Foot Locker jersey uh, in honor. Hey, this is the anniversary of Foot Locker Week this week. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is always Foot Locker Week. Foot Locker Week. I I have one question for Gary. Are you you back to the Cowboys? No, that's fool's gold, man. (laughs) Hey, hey, those 49ers, you saw the big man, baby. The Bengals suck. Hey, you're a 49ers fan, tell them. All right, let's hit it. Here we go. And they'll beat the job. All right, we got a full house here on Talking Preps. I'm sorry, Gary, I interrupted you. You said the Cowboys are going to beat the Giants? Yeah, they'll still beat the Giants, but the Giants is fool's gold, too. I, don't think I, that makes I, me feel bad. I, I, <laughs> hey, I disagree with like Gary, I, not I, Cowboys I, fan I, minute every week. I know. Yeah. One minute. <laughs> All I right, disagree. we got to get the show, so let's let's get into it. We're going to talk about the uh, the RPI rankings. Uh, they're the teams that are leading, and I tried to explain it over there. Uh, but Dale, can you kind of explain to the people in layman's terms what exactly the RPI is? Sure. It's uh, this. It's used by a number of states to determine seeding. It's an objective method of looking at maybe how good a team is. So, uh, no opinions here, but what they do is they take your winning percentage, multiply it by. Uh, it's actually it's a 30 40 30 so it's uh 30 for your winning percentage 40 percent for your opponent's winning percentage and 30 percent for your opponent's opponent's winning percentage <laughs> that so, sounds like some very complicated math well right? you add those together and uh you come up with a number and it's based on uh, how good the teams are, or excuse me, how many games the teams that you play win and how many games the teams that you play that they play win. Yeah. It could go deeper than that if they wanted to because Max Preps has access to all the scores, but mm. they limit it to, to those levels there. It's, uh, it's false. I like to talk on that. Go ahead. Um, the issue with that is, like, say someone like West Mech or West Charlotte that plays nothing but 4A teams, it doesn't take an accountability of that. It doesn't take about – so if I win – so if a team that's a 4A team, okay, and they scheduled nothing but 1A teams that were just going to be really good 1A teams, but, you know, obviously they would be dominant probably against a 1A team, it would help them in this type of formula. It doesn't yeah. talk about like necessarily strength of schedule, so it's only kind of- a little bit, only a little bit. Mm-hmm. Grace, what does RPI stand for? I call it the Real Pressure Index. This is one of the favorite changes I think the NCHSA has done because all Grinder is going to do is give you some random scenario. And again, I give him credit; he is in the rare like five to ten percent that yeah, this true. does kind of not affect. And I, I do think he has legitimate a legitimate gripe. But to me, this really shows how how well or how much pressure you put your team under. And I think the biggest problem, if anybody is, is has a problem with their ranking, the answer is schedule a harder non conference schedule. That the better teams. Okay, yeah. let's 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 let me let me say different. something. Go ahead. Um, here here's why I like it. It's because teams are not preceded like they used to be, where you look at at the um, the playoff pairings, they were already out in August, where you had one from this conference playing two from another conference. 
you already knew based on where you finished in your conference who you were going to play. So it was already preceded. I didn't like that. The problem I have with this RPI method is, is I'm looking at the top team, the top 10 in um, North Carolina and the West, 4A. You got Chambers and you got Huff. Well, hold um, on, Gary. Hold on, hold that thought, Gary. We're gonna we're gonna come to that. Yeah, always going ahead. <laughs> so one thing to add to that is yeah. that a team's RPI cannot see them higher than a uh, conference champion winning opponent uh, champion. That's a fair point. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's what, what I was about to touch on. Like the fact that the top eight or nine conferences automatically get a one seed, right, or a one through that's eight seed. Yeah. That's right. Even though, uh, say, I'm just using this as example. Say that that Huff finishes as the nine. Hold on, Gary. Hold on, Gary. You jump ahead. We're going to get to that. I'm not talking about Friday's game. I'm just talking about how the matchups aren't fair once they get Okay, but just hold on. Just hold on. Hold on. Alex, do you see anything in the 4A East that jumps out at you? Or Chelsea, anything that jumps out at you guys up East that – that you see here, if we look, you know, I'll scroll down a little bit and you can see, you know, Wake Forest down there, Leesville Road. Cardinal Gibbons is at 11, Alex. That's your squad. Uh, Cardinal Gibbons is one of many talented East squads. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, but what jumps out is above Cardinal Gibbons. Notice what you saw beginning with Heritage. Yeah, Heritage at four, I think it was. Three. 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 All right. Yeah, yeah. Heritage at three. And then notice you had seven, eight, nine, Wake Forest, Millbrook, and Roseville. Right. All four of those schools are in the Northern Athletic 4A Conference. Northern, the, North, the Northern Athletic 4A Conference at right now, and I wrote about this this week, yeah. is 24 and 6 overall. Wow. 24 and 6 as a conference. That's six schools. Those four right there. And then add in Nightdale and Wakefield. Wake out of those six losses, Wake Forest's only loss is it was a one-point decision to state champion Cardinal Gibbons. So so what you're saying is some really good teams, plural, are not going to be in the playoffs. Well, now one thing that you could do here, Langston, if you wanted to, is you could pull up the actually Max Preps top ten. 4A, mm-hmm. and there they do use what Griner was complaining about, where they do use a more power ranking that goes through all the all of the records, right. all of uh, 4A. So this this RPI really doesn't start to balance out until you get into conference play. Uh, conference play. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to go a step further here, and I'm just going to call it for what it is. I'm already fired up tonight. And we, might, and we might start a fire right now before the fire starter session that we uh-oh, have. Uh-oh. But I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here I'm, for I'm, it. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and call it as, as what it is. This RPI needs to go. And here's why it needs to go. Because you have people who have created some kind of an algorithm who have nothing to do with the state of North Carolina, who have no feel for North Carolina high school. Athletics. No, that's not true. That's not how this that's not how this works. This is purely winning percentage multiplied against a factor of 40 percent or excuse me, 30 percent, 40 percent and 30 percent. 
So the, there's no algorithm here, or the algorithm is very basic. Anybody can calculate this. But here's your problem. Anybody can calcul calculate it, but my statement still stands that you're using an algorithm that gives that does not take into consideration the North Carolina high school football landscape. Because I mean, that, no, 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 because it's just about how many games you win, period. But you see, that's, that's well, the problem. That's but all no, an RPI is. Well, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll bridge that gap between Dale's mathematics and add a little quali you know, qualitative stuff in here. So you look on that list, you go back to the 4A East. The big One of the biggest wins on there, I would say New Hanover beating Butler. We saw Roseville has two losses. Their two losses are against quality competition. They didn't fall as hard as someone would with a two-loss team as a result. So going through all these lists, you look at some of the teams, and even with the losses, they don't drop as far as they should because of the quality of teams they lose to. Because teams played someone, they're rewarded and they aren't dropping. You don't have teams that are undefeated that have have played a week schedule. But here's your this problem. This is the same I'm formula that's used in college. It's the same formula that's used in other high school associations. The only difference is, is it a 30-40-30? Is it a 35-35-20? Um, is it a, uh, excuse me, 35-35 is that right? 35, 35, 30. 30. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. But, but so it's just a matter of I'm going to I'm just going through some of these the, the smaller classes we're talking. Uh, and if you guys see anything that jumps out at you, uh, I know that Chris will be here talking about Shelby and where is Shelby? And Pilot like Trev is fourth right there. That's got to be a school record for how high they are as far as RPI. Shelby is 25th. <laughs> Shelby's 25th, but if you look at and their have power a weekend schedule. But higher than look, Chase, yeah. who is 4-0. If you look at their power ranking, Langston, you'll see that they're up in the, I think, the top 10. Um, they're near the top 10 in uh, power in two ways. But using RPI, they're down. But none because of these they're, schools, their winning percentage is low. But none of these schools gain anything. None of these schools gain anything by playing high quality teams who beat up on each other. Yes, they do. You're, you're in a lose. Yes, they do. You're, you're yes, in a lose. Do. You're, you're absolutely wrong. I, I, how so? Because the Shelby, teams they don't fall Shelby's apart. In the tank. Shelby's in the tank. Shelby's not in the take. They're the, the next two and three team. If Langston had the list, the next two and three team is nowhere close. They're actually ahead of a four and zero team, which shows you because of the strength of their exactly. than the others, they are ranked higher with respect to who they play. Shelby, some, some of this is going to settle out when they Shelby never should be that low. They shouldn't. Re your record is who you are, unfortunately, right now. Sure. They, exactly. they will get exactly. Right. They will get Sam, Sam in three A, here's West Mecklenburg at four and one. I mean, I know you played them this week. Does that seem? Is that about right for them? Are we even on? Are we even on the ranking? I'm, I'm scrolling down to find you, sir. No, you're you looking at, you look at the twenty nine situation. You're twenty nine. You got the Dudley situation there too. We know that's a farce. What's the Dudley situation? They're at twenty. Sixteen. 16 at 2-2, two and two, and we know why one of those two losses ended up like it did. That's a farce. Well, again, I think I think you're looking at the extraordinary circumstances and trying to apply them here. Again, I, I don't think that you can do that. But as it stood, unfortunately, they were losing the game. We know Dudley will continue to rise, and if they finish 8-2, and two, then they won't be 16th. I think, you know, you're looking at this as a point in time, not realizing that teams are going to – this thing's going to sort out based well, on – Yeah, the, the playoffs play. are starting today. So right. Yeah, exactly. All right, Gary. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, here. We go with, with uh, the 4A West, and, and I wanted to hear your point about Chambers. I didn't want you to get to it before I got to their their chart. My, my point is, my point is, 
is say Chambers and Huff and and Mallet Creek all finish um, in the top ten strength wise at mm-hmm. the end of the season, but two of them are going to get bumped out of the top ten because they're not a conference champion. Yeah, well, that's what I don't like about this system. It, it does reward conference champions, which I think it should be a reward for. But at the same time, it punishes uh, schools that play in the toughest conference in the, in the state because they came in second or third. But Sam's they right. Sam's right. Thirty in three A. He plays in the toughest conference in the state. Gary, that's true in every tournament, be it college, be it any state. You always see conference champions first. Yeah, talk to me, talk to me, Dale, about Olympic being twenty third and five and zero. Do you feel like that's right at this point of the season for them? In RPI, yeah, they played some. They're they're pro, the reason they aren't higher is because their their competition has not been good. Okay, well, we had a chance to talk to uh, Brandon Thompson so, this week, and he, he's had got them off to a five and zero start. They lost a lot of kids to Palisades. We're gonna come back there after we hear from Coach. When we knew that we've known for two years, three years that the school was gonna open this fall, um, and uh, I was gonna take several of our guys. Uh, so it's how we prepared them. Uh, we had to practice them more on both sides of the ball. So we had to switch up how some of our practice periods look, uh, how we train in the weight room, uh, as far as getting their bodies ready to endure. Um, playing an entire game, both sides of the ball, and not having as many numbers, but uh, and then just having the coaches hold those guys accountable and and, and, and let them know they the expectation is that we we're going to prepare you, but you're going to have to play uh, the entire game um, again on both sides of the ball. So you might leave their dog tired, but we'll rest on Saturdays and Sundays, man. So uh, it's just a combination of a lot of things. Um, the coaches are doing a great job. The kids are doing a great job of trying to meet those expectations, and I uh, couldn't be more proud of it. So, Dale, at the rate they're going, let's say Olympic runs the table, could they end up playing, you know, a really, really tough first-round game or second-round game, even as a conference? Well, if they run the table, that means they win the conference, which means they'll get a higher seeding. So okay. they will not have – well, I, let's not say they won't have a tough first round because – the way that things go now, you could see uh, better teams. You see Mallet Creek, down. whoever's third. That's what we had last year, right? Whoever's third in the in the, the whatever Bryce's Fight Club comes. Right. So yeah, they could have a tough first round. But I, I, I not trying they, to be disrespectful, but if Olympic was, I mean, if uh, Mallet Creek was in our conference, where would they finish? Mallet Creek is in your conference. I'm talking about in Olympics conference. Well, we don't know right now. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. You can't. You, you can't, can't say right now. You can't, you can't do that. You can't play. You can't play that. Um, Lake Norman, uh, Christ. Any surprises with them at 16? Um, I wouldn't say any. You know, any surprise there. I think what I do think you kind of have the reverse of what Sam has, and I think this is where I do lean to Alex in conferences like Iredale County. I know specifically within their county, they do require some of the, the county opponents to play each other. So you've got situations where Lake Norman's playing in North Iredale or West Iredale, who may be different in classification level, but also may be good. With us in Cox Mill, we, had, we played Northwest Cabarrus. Northwest Cabarrus, you know, of course, led by Coach Mormons, off to a 4-1 start. So 
that is one of the fallacies and one of the errors I do think of this system is you can play someone down in classification that you may be physically superior to. They may have a good record, but the fact that they're a lower classification doesn't come into play here. And I think that's the part that kind of, you know, you can nitpick here with the system. I agree with Grice on that. Gary, what would you like to see done? Would you like to see us go back to something we've had before? Or do you have some idea for something different now? I prefer this over preceding, um, but at the same time, you know, like Dale said, the colleges use this kind of format, maybe not the same algorithm, but the same format, but they also go by the eye test and, you know, they have a selection committee that would be too difficult in North Carolina, but that would be the perfect answer would to be to have a selection committee, but there's no way they're going to sit around and look at a whole bunch of high school games and figure out who's. Exactly. Who's going to be able to know everything about all the teams across the state enough to make that kind of right, selection? Right. Yeah. Cameron, you're new to all this. What do you think about this as you see these teams and, and hear about RPI? Well, How does it strike you? Um, well, one thing that – I mean, I'm not sure if I read it correctly, but is Ale Brown above Hickory Ridge after Hickory Ridge just beat them this past week? Can you scroll down the list a little bit? Sure. Hickory Ridge, I think it's 17. I think they're just above us. Hickory Ridge is 17th, yeah. Okay, so they are – okay. Yeah, and A.L. Brown is 24. All right. A.L. Brown's above Butler, which is interesting. Yeah. Because of that 43% win percentage of opponents versus Butler's a little bit lower. All right, Bill. Jason Bass. You saw a lot – you saw nobody with under 50% in either opponents winning or opponents' opponents winning. Yeah, that means what about, those top 17s are playing good competition. Yeah, Dan, what about Jason's question here? What about the weight put on top of out-of-state opponents and the opponents of those opponents? It's just a win or a loss, unfortunately, in this um, in this scenario. Ruff gives no love for playing the nationally ranked Dutch Fork to, you know, no. really close now, if, if they, they, they use power rankings, opponents. they would. But it's because max reps can go across the whole country. Right. Okay. I think I think that's exactly what you should do. What you just said there is this exact calculation, what they're doing, I'm cool with it. But you do somehow strength the schedule and multiply that in. So I don't know how to do that. There's people smarter than me that can do it. But if you calculated something, I think you would see a little bit of shift. Just a little bit, not much, but a shift to it. Everybody would be happy. The NCHSA used right that. There. About what was it five years ago? Yep. They had that um, power rating, power ranking factor added into the seating. Yep, if you remember. Right, said, well, that's what I said right there that se several weeks ago, and reiterating now. That's why I question playing these out of state opponents. If it's going to bite you in the end like this, then there's no point. We can all. Well, it doesn't bite you though if the opponents are good opponents. Yeah. yeah, the goal is find someone in Alaska that's going to willing to play, that's going to go undefeated. They have no chance versus someone in North Carolina. Then their opponents, opponents win. You know, it'll be amazing because their winning percentage will be really good. They'll be nine and one. Yeah. And then that'll help your – yeah, we got to figure that out. I, I'm just going to start trying to schedule people that have no chance across the United States <laughs> North Carolina. It, it, All right. It does Alex, Alex, I'm going to give you the last word. We're going to get out of here. Go ahead. It does nothing for North Carolina schools to line up against South Carolina powers because of exactly what Sam said. 
Not that they're not good teams. We all know they are. But let's just use a few of them. Dutch Fork, Gaffney, Northwestern, Burns, we, Somerville. We could, we could keep naming them. They're going to beat up on each other. And that's going to mess around with everyone's opponent's opponent winning percentage. And we know that these are all great teams. And then they come back. It comes back to bite our schools when it matters. So that, it, it's that that's why I brought that up several weeks ago. Not that they're not good teams, not that our kids don't get better by playing those games. But if it's going to bite them in the end, then why? I understand that. Okay, a fair point. We'll leave it there. Now, um, we got a guy, Brady Hibbert, on from uh, Forest Hills, who's probably not worried a whole lot about our RPI and whatnot. They're 5 and 0. They're probably looking at number one seed if we can keep it going. How you doing, Brady? Good. How are you? Good, man. Uh, so tell me, what's life like? You were in Providence last year. You moved to Marshville and you, you joined a team that had one winning season in six years. How have you guys turned it around? Uh, we just got a like, good group around us. Coach Dees helps a lot, too. He knows a lot about the game and he put this in the right spots did you see this coming though when you when you went over there oh i knew we were gonna be good when i came why i'm not you can just see with the guys around us i wasn't surprised are you surprised at the way you guys are winning every week it's like 50 to nothing 58 to nothing i mean it's not close no i knew it was gonna be like that you having fun over there as a quarterback i yes. see you guys throwing all over the yard say i'm gonna show you this young man's this young man's film tell me what you're seeing here That's a really good throw into the bucket there. Let me just watch a little bit more. They were live. You can't like go dead air. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm just checking him out. I just got to watch him a little bit. He's definitely tall. How tall are you? Uh, six two. Six two. That's a good ball. No doubt. He's like a big old tree. Big old tree. I feel like he's got really good pre-snap decision making. He kind of knows what he's doing pre-snap. That's a nice pass there. Gets his angle there. Yeah, it's a good ball. Definitely good, good arm. I take them, no doubt. Really evident. One heck of a season up there for us. He was throwing it all over the place. Who's that? Is that Piedmont right there? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, you, I love those those uniforms they have. You, you got you. He's like got great there. command, like yeah. this right here. Like he knew pre-snap he was going there. And I think that's like at least half, fifty percent of quarterbacking pre-snap understanding what you're going to do with it. It'll, it'll it'll speed up your anticipation of throwing the ball. It'll make you make better decisions. See, like he's knowing pre-snap. I think he does a really good job of that, like knowing what he's going to do pre-snap and he's releasing it with a good ball because that's that's a tight window right there. But he yeah. knew what he was doing. Brady, so, talk to me about your receivers. Like you got to – you know, you're throwing the ball to a lot of different dudes. It's not like going to one guy all the time. Yeah, we got we got dudes all around from Jarrell, Ross, Key. Uh, now, if I, if I was going against this guy, uh -huh. I would definitely – Tell the defense we have to do some type of disguise pre-snap to let him let him come off his first read because he's very confident in that first read. But I don't know if he's getting a lot of different yeah, disguises. But he's, but he's throwing it to a bunch of different dudes. That's all I'm saying. No, he's throwing different dudes, but I'm saying pre-snap. He knows what he's wanting to do a lot. What, would you agree with that, Brady? You're coming off to your second, third read. That's good. First read. Yes. First read. I want to ask a question. So we, we see all these great reads that uh, Brady is making – Time and again, and and I mean, I, I love your motion that that you have no wasted motion in going into your pass. I mean, that's that's nice to watch. What is it like, and how has it helped your maturation and the offense's maturation having to 
compete in practice against Coach Frank Thomas's defense, which has allowed no more than 14 points a game uh, in, in five wins this year, uh, including a shutout against Montgomery Central this past week. So uh, going against a defense like that, and the various looks that uh, Coach Toms and his unit bring to the table. What has that been like for your maturation and the off and your offense's maturation? Well, it definitely makes games a lot easier because practice is hard against them. But it's it's nice having a great defense to go against every day, and then on Fridays it's a lot easier. Is it get ugly at practice sometimes when it's okay. good on good? They get us all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the bet? What's the bet? I know there's a bet. Like somebody's buying Chick Fil A. What's the bet? Oh, it's like twenty push-ups. Twenty push-ups. How many, <laughs> how many push-ups have you been doing? Forty. Forty. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite thing about is uh, you know watching the film because I didn't watch yeah. it until then. My favorite thing about it is when he's stepping up into the pocket or he's rolling out. He keeps two hands on the football. He's been taught yeah. really well to secure the football. I don't think he has a lot of fumbles in the pocket and when he's rolling out. You're always keeping good two hands on it. And then when it's time to make a throw, I feel like you got a good grip on the ball and you're able to make a good decision. That's that's very good quality. Absolutely. All right, well, Brady, when we have people on the show, you got to take on Coach Griner on the game show. It's a multiple choice thing. Alex is going to read the first question. I put the questions on the screen. You have the first answer. Then, then Sam will go back and forth. There's five questions. He has not lost this year. And okay. it's really bugging me that he hasn't lost this year. <laughs> I've lost a lot. I've lost a lot this year. Just not on the game show. I need you to give him a Union County L. All right, I'll try. A Union County L. So we're going to get started on the, we get on the backside. No of tractor your, questions or anything. You know? No, backside of your, your little theme music. We'll get to it. Brother, I'm not MJ, just Coach Griner, but I'm the GOAT of the game show. That shape up, that shape up I had in that picture was pretty nice back then. I had a little less hair. <laughs> Let's go, Alex. Of course, oh my God, we're doing this really far. Okay. Football state championship for the top 10 singles came from soundtracks that year. Which one was number one? A, When Doves Cry by Prince and Purple Rain. B, Footloose by Kenny Loggins from Footloose. C, Against All Odds by Phil Collins from Against All Odds. Or D, Ghostbusters, uh, Ray Parker Jr. from Ghostbusters. All right, Brady. Let's get off to a good start. What's your answer? Uh, B. B, foot loose. Kenny Loggins. Got to get foot loose. Sam. It's wow. live TV. That's a tough one. Let me think. Four of the top ten songs. Connie, do not help him. Which Connie. was number one. Number one. Footloose is a good song. I'm going to say... I'm going to go a little off here right. and go um, Ghostbusters D. Ghostbusters. The answer is A, Prince when Doves Cry. God, I wanted to go that way. Why did I go Prince? Yeah, Prince was number one. Yeah, I was Ghostbusters just, on there. Y'all were doing some fun. You should have known when I asked that question. If I asked a Janet Jackson question or a Prince question, you should know. I know. Even I, I should have got that one. You've been up. on the show long enough. All right, Chelsea. The new iPhone 14 was released last week. How many iPhones did Apple sell in 2021? A, 196.9 million. B, 187.2 million. C, 242 million. Or D, 300 million. Samuel. 
Uh, the answer is A. The answer is A. Brady, what do you think? Uh, let me see. C is the correct answer, Brady. You have the lead, sir. And don't don't let him come back. He'll start doing this thing we call four corners. He'll start mocking your answers. <laughs> to answer that with just so much confidence. You How does he know that? <laughs> he may, I mean, that's a good he man. Did you know? Did you know that? Did you guess? I guessed. That's a good guess. Alex, let's go. NC State had two players drafted in the NFL this year. One was former Providence State starter Akim Aquanu. Who was the other? A. Aleem Lewis with the Lions. B. James Smith Williams with the Commanders. C. Laurel Murchison with the Titans. Or D. Trenton Gill with the Bears. It is on you, Brady. Uh, D. D. Trenton Gill. What do you say, Samuel? Uh, let's go B. B, James Smith Williams. Sam, you are down two to nothing, sir. Trent Gill is the right answer. No chance. You're you in deep, deep. I have no chance for me. Gary, 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 he's down two nothing. Golly. I know. He, he, he's he got to get in the background. Home. Camera's going, let's go and stuff. These freaking no, no, traders. No four, no four corners. <laughs> I can't do four corners right now. You're right. All right, let me see the next question. We got two left. Chelsea's up. I got to find the right question. This is important. Because if, if he gets the right, if he gets this one right, you're done, sir. Yeah. So let me let me make sure I have the right question. Oh, there's Chelsea. Oh, Hold on, I got I, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay, Chelsea, go ahead. All right. Which popular rap star had a guest role on Marvel's hit show She Hulk: Attorney at Law? A. Cardi B. B. Megan The Stallion. C, Nicki Minaj, or D, Lotto? Samuel, this is important, sir. Don't. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh... I don't have a clue. C, Nicki Minaj. C, Nicki Minaj. All right, Brady, close them out. Uh, I, uh, I guess B. B, making a stallion? Yeah. We got a winner, baby. Sam, yeah. Sam you, you lost. I didn't get one question right. No, we still have one more. We got to do the last question. I didn't get one. I'm just going to answer what he had. I mean, but, but, he you, unbeatable. But, but, but you, you took an L tonight. I love this. It was a train wreck. It wasn't even an L. It was just like a disaster. I love this. Alex, just, just for fun. Grand Army is one of the most popular shows on Netflix. It's a teen drama. Where is it set? A, the Outer Banks in North Carolina. B, Brooklyn, New York. C, Orlando, Florida. D, Beverly Hills, California. All right, uh, Brady, what you got? Uh, B. B. Samuel, what you got? Do you really know this answer? <laughs> I'm going to go C, Orlando, Florida. The answer is B, Sam. You got shut out. Wow. Yeah. This, shut guy out. Got Google, this dude's got Google up on the corner. <laughs> Brady, dude we got to get you back, man. Dude, you, got, you gave him a thing. He went like this. four for five. Y'all see him taking this L? I'd rather take an L now and win Friday. Maybe we got to switch it up. All right. Well, Brady, man, thanks for coming on. Who you got Friday night? Uh, we got to buy this week. Got to buy this week. All right. Well, good luck to you the rest of the season. We'll definitely have to have you back. So you can get Sam another L later on. Golly. That was bad. Real bad. It, it, it happens sometimes. It happens sometimes. I, I, I enjoyed that. All right. Now it's time to find out who uh, Mr. Grice picked as the North Carolina High School Football Players of the Week. Was it tough this week, Grice, to pick them? Well, it was kind of easy in one situation. Oh, so. but that one dude you had to call, was that tough? I had to call. I told you, I'll take you Friday night. I knew it, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, here we go. Grace is just...
Hey, everybody. It's me solo this week doing one of my favorite segments, Grice's Gems. This week five edition, of course, includes for most teams that first week in the conference. We've got some big time performances from some big time players. And, you know, we had to highlight them today, including one guy that got the call, unfortunately, and I think an unprecedented Grice's Gems um, against my team. But we're not going to get into that just yet. We're going to go to Kernersville, to East Forsyth. Hey, we've got a Grace's Gems alum already this year. Again, he had a seven-touchdown performance earlier this year. He's back with a four-touchdown performance. Yes, that is Jalen Alexander Rayner out of East Forsyth. Threw for a touchdown and ran for three in a big-time 37-3 victory over Reagan. One of these scoring runs, as you see right here, is from 98 yards. This kid all season so far has been continuing to do great things. He's balling out. We keep having to give him the call, and we might actually have to call him if he keeps performing like this. A guy I think that's going to bleed into some other list here is I think he may be close to a Mr. Football Award recipient, but Jalen Alexander Rayner from East Forsyth, first crisis gem. Let's move forward to another alum, Mason Fortune out of Millbrook. 58-10, big-time win over Sanderson. This kid threw for 496 and six, I repeat, six touchdowns. Again, last two weeks, we had, we talked to him last week. He got the call. He came back for some more. He's thrown now th 13 touchdowns in the past two weeks. And for this season, he's got some big-time numbers. And it's no surprise why he's on our Mr. Football ranking here. But Mason Fortune, again, showing you why he is a repeat crisis gems in a back-to-back -back week for him. Let's stay here in Charlotte and go to Charlotte Latin for Aaron Steele Logan. we got to give the defensive guy some love. This senior had 13 tackles, including one tackle for a loss and a big-time 21-14 win over Legion Collegiate. He also plays on offense. I love these private school guys. They get the chance to do it on both sides of the ball. On the offensive side, he ran for 13 times, 107 yards, and two touchdowns. I love it with these private school kids. A lot of times they get the versatility, show you on defense and on offense how they can make some big-time plays. And this kid was very instrumental in leading his team to a big win. Let's move forward, stay in the Charlotte area, to a guy that's been putting up big-time numbers. I'm glad to finally give him the call. A.J. Sirianni, quarterback at the Community School of Davidson, had a big 68-21 win over Bishop McGinnis. He didn't even play in the fourth quarter. A lot of the times, and in some of these numbers he's been putting up, he's been sitting. He's getting Gatorade in the fourth quarter. But his night, 28, of, excuse me, 25 of 33, 465 yards and eight, I mean eight touchdowns. Now, yardage, we got to go in the context of, of history. Yardage is 19th most in Mecklen Mecklenburg County history. His touchdowns are tied for the third most ever. We keep telling you guys there are some people with ridiculous seizing and career-defining performances, and this was one for him. I mean, it brings back comparisons of Will Greer, who's thrown on that level, has thrown more for eight. I think he's the only quarterback that's done that. So this is a big-time performance from a guy who made a history, historic performance Friday night. I think he's a guy that we've got to keep watching because he's making some big-time plays and having some big-time results. And I think he's going to continue to do some things this year. Let's go to our final guy again. This is the first time I think I've done this in history. It hurts my heart, but I had to give the call on the finals crisis gym to Jawan Howe out of Mooresville. Thank so again, you. I was on the opposite side, uh, played us Friday night at Cox Mill. Let's give this guy stats. He ran the ball 29 times, had 285 yards, and four back-breaking touchdowns, unfortunately, in a 44-30 to win over uh, our Cox Mill Chargers. Again, I think, you know, he was able to keep that, you know, keep that clock moving, keep my offense off the field, which I hate the most. But, Juwan, we had to give you the call. Can you talk about the game plan going in? I mean, it seemed very apparent that you guys were going to ground the clock. You were going to be the main guy carrying that rock and keeping my offense off the field. So can you talk about that? Yes, sir. Uh, our game plan going into the game was we wanted to be in control of the game. We wanted to 
wanted to control the clock, just wanted to control the game. So when we could run the ball on first down, pretty much having it our way with a great defense of Cox Mills, we had to really forge our way in there and just make make sure we took control of the game so we could come out on top, things like that. I understood. It was a barn burner. We were going feel like we were going back and forth. I was like, hey, we got we got to keep that ball and keep that ball out of his hands. But talk about, you know, your coaches. I love Coach Nixon. You know me and Coach Haberkamp, your running back coach. That's my guy right there. Talk about their influence in your season because you've always been a good back, you a back that we've had to watch for no matter what. You seem to be stepping into that superstardom and that one of the best backs in the state. Talk about their influence on your play. Um, well, they just every day they remind me um what I can be and what what can happen if I just keep keep my head straight stay humble just and the Haberkamp coach Haberkamp he's been my running back coach since my freshman year so he's really played a big part in it uh transferring me transforming me into what I am now and with coach Nixon coming my sophomore year ever since uh he first came he just always feel like he loved the whole team things like that always showed love to everybody they just keep me going, keep pushing me, keep me going strong. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, again, you know, win over us. You go into now 1-0, and you know, Morrisville versus 1-0 Hickory Ridge. Big-time game. Probably another big, you know, game I would say would be a game of the week. We we know in our conference that Hickory Ridge has been that standard setter. You guys have a great opportunity to knock them off. Can you give an early insight into how you feel that you guys will be able to do that? Uh, I feel like we just need to get the run game going. Be strong on first downs. Um, get a little bit of passing game in there. Just we just need to be able to control the clock, control the ball, and run run the plays that we we feel we need to run at the time. Make sure our defense keeps their explosive offense off the field. They got a couple guys on offense that can get some things done. They got a couple guys on defense that can get some things done. We just need to we just need to control the clock and control their offense. And if we do that, we should come out on top and be just be dogs. That That is definitely a game. When we finish our game, I know I'm picking my phone up to see what's going on with you guys' game. I've already talked to Coach Jupiter Wilson. He, he made the mention and, and asked about you. So I know that they'll have all eyes focused on you on that defensive staff in their meeting. So, again, good luck to you. You know, we hope, again, you keep balling. I got to give you a call. I'll say this right now. You beat, y'all, you guys beat Hickory Ridge and you ball. I might have to get you back on here for a repeat performance, Roar. Yes, sir. But, but thank you again. We appreciate having you on. You know, again, hate against it. it. It was my team, but I am proud of everything that you're doing so far. And keep balling, keep doing everything. We'll get you on here. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Hey, you have a memorable performance on Friday nights. You've got to reach out. Reach out to me at Coach Jay Grice. Uh, reach out to Ed Observer Preps at Langston Wirtz Jr. Please reach out to us and let us know if you've had that performance. As we always say, if you ball, you get the call. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. We got we got a lot of balling going on. Um, some uh, balling that went on in the East on the defensive side of the ball last week. Will Bremer of Newburn. Uh, Newburn had that big 27-0 Craven County showcase win over Havelock and two top five teams, Newburn in 4A and Havelock in 3A. William Bremer of Newburn with five big sacks and that huge win. So uh, congratulations. Once again, you got some balling and guys getting on D as well. So 
Speaking of balling, uh, we all know that uh, ballers show up in Chelsea's world week in and week out. It's Chelsea's world, and we're just happy to be living in it. And our Chelsea, who's the baller who's happy to be living in Chelsea's world this week? Well, the baller this week is senior quarterback Elijah Holmes from undefeated Olympic High School. They're currently 5-0. and He's also he's a dual athlete playing baseball, which we touched on a little bit. And just talk about his recruiting process and how it's going his senior year. Let's see it. This week, I'm interviewing class of 2023 quarterback Elijah Holmes from Olympic High School. So, Elijah, before we discuss last Friday's game, I want to ask you about your non-conference run that you had where you had some pretty impressive game statistics. Kind of run us through that. Yeah, thank you. Non-conference, it's big for us. Just getting ready going into conference. It's a big deal for us. Every game counts as our goal is to go 10 and 0 in the conference, trying to get a first round home game in the playoffs. Absolutely. And last Friday, you guys won 48 to 6 against Harding. Tell us about that game and you know the recap of it. Yeah, that game just had a good game plan going into the week. Definitely saw Harden. They wanted to come onto our turf, try and steal the conference game from us. And uh, we handled business. We um, executed pretty well. It worked out for us. How did that undefeated run non-conference help you guys get the upper hand for the first conference game? I think we definitely had a lot of momentum going into it. No one undefeated, want to hold that going into the game. Uh, first conference game really big. Just want to win it. And get it done. So a few months ago, you got your first offer from Bluefield State. Kind of tell us about the recruiting process so far. Uh, it's been decent. Been talk, talking to coaches. Uh, grateful for that offer back in February, and just just wanted to keep working harder from there. Uh, see what else I can get. Been talking to coaches, for example, been talking to some coaches from Kent State, and just seeing where it takes me from there. Absolutely. And if you were to go to a school for football, kind of one of some of your priority things for a school that you look into. Uh, first, just like what my family likes too. I think that that matters. Um, what the school is like there, good program, good academics, all that. Absolutely, I understand that. And to those who don't know you as an athlete, kind of describe your game style as a quarterback and what makes you a leader on the field. I think leader on the field is just staying confident, prepared, and just trusting in my guys and them trusting me. I think that really helps because that's the biggest thing for me because when I'm down, everyone else is down. I have to stay up and make sure everyone else is doing their job so I can stay on top of them and all that. Absolutely. And Elijah, I know you're a varsity baseball athlete. How long have you been playing in high school? I've been playing baseball since my freshman year. Um, it's been going well. Uh, like playing two sports, very competitive. Absolutely. Are you just as competitive in baseball as football? Do you prefer one over the other? I would say I'm, I'm very competitive in anything I do, if that's chores, schoolwork, sports. So definitely equally competitive in both sports. Absolutely. And finally, Elijah, can you tell us the expectation for Olympic football going into this season? Yeah, expectation is to go 10-0, and 0, uh, win the conference, go into the playoffs, have a first first round home game and win it, win a playoff game this season. Absolutely. Well, best of luck next week. I enjoy having you on. Chelsea, you know who I want you to get on the show? I have him in my notes. We got to get Jalen Ray and Risa Scythe on the show. Jalen, if you're watching, man, reach out to Chelsea. You know, she's going to DM you, I think. You got to get you on the show, man. 
For sure. Do you have a Twitter like I'll send it to you. I do have it. All right, cool. I'll reach out on that. Yeah, Dale, you see, I mean, what do you think about Olympic this year and a new quarterback? So, uh, as I was watching him and watched him last year, there's a lot of similarity. Do you remember uh, Ben Williams? By yeah, I do. So there's a lot of similarity uh, with his athletic ability that uh, Ben had. Uh, <clears throat> I think that this kid stays in the pocket a little bit better. He seems to be a little more disciplined in the pocket than Ben was. Uh, maybe not as athletic as Ben was, so there are kind of trade-offs there. Um, I think he's a pretty sound quarterback. He's, he's going to leave as one of the – He'd definitely be in the top ten of Olympic quarterbacks. Olympics have a number wow. of good quarterbacks. Did you see him when he ran that naked bootleg out and the guy was yeah. screaming in his face and he hit that hitch yeah. route that was a tough throw across <laughs> his body? That standing in the pocket, not a many quarterbacks can do that. that was it's good. amazing how many good quarterbacks we have in Charlotte. Now I remember in the old days it might be like one team that I mean Tommy was on the team really passing and then Shaughnessy started passing with Christ. <laughs> just wasn't much going on. But Chelsea, look, thanks for coming on. We're, we're gonna get you next week. Oh, you gotta tell her you gotta uh, tell her to do her famous saying. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. How, how do people get on Chelsea's world? Uh, yeah, to get on Chelsea's world my socials are at Chelsea Sipple, my Twitter, my Instagram. Hit me in my DMs and we can get something started. Absolutely. Jalen Rayner, we're looking at you. All right, Chelsea, we'll see you next week. See y'all. All right. All right, so before we move on, uh, Dale has got to uh, eat some peppers or some crow or something. <laughs> <laughs> something this week, so let me find his music. <laughs> Dale can go crazy on the uh, I was wrong stuff, but no, Dale's hot. I'm really hot. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you how hot I am about the officiating this season. And I'm going to start out with, I don't want to blame it all on officials. I'm going to put the first blame on fans for driving our situation that we have with officials, meaning not having as many officials. It's not the only problem, but it has driven officials away. Your abusive attitude towards officials has caused us to have Wait, not, you're, not, you're not gonna do a shot of hot sauce after the pepper. <laughs> what I've seen this season can drive a man to drinking. <laughs> I need some milk, man. I need some milk just watching you. Wow. So I don't want to – I'm not going to blame it all on that. I'm tearing up. No, no, no. But I'm a little concerned by what I've seen this season. First thing I want to say is I've always been – concerned about us only having five officials on the field. And the athletes are getting bigger and getting better. And as I'm sitting at that Providence Day Catholic game with all of the Division One and Division Two players, yeah. the five officials can't keep up with that. Um, they, they called a good game, but they missed at least one uh, – Pass incompletion. They yeah, call it yeah, against probably, they, yeah, right because yeah. they couldn't see. 
It talked there was a fumble, yeah. Can drive a man to drinking. Yeah. Bryce, <laughs> you're you're in the officiating world this year. I mean, how how do you feel about uh how officials are treated? What's been your your experience? Well, I think it's, you know, you do have a, a situation in which you have a lot of younger officials. I actually took part in uh, first year training this year as, as a new official. The interesting thing, I guess, about the situation is that the number of officials actually are up uh, post-COVID, which I think is a really good sign. And I think you've got, you know, it's good that you have people that are interested in getting closer to the game through officiating. I've learned, and I think my perspective as a coach who has gone through that training has, you know, aided me and helped me as far as officiating, understanding what they're looking at, understanding who's responsible for, for different things within the game. So, you know, I think that we're in a situation where, you know, if, as these young officials grow and kind of get these, these experiences and really get some games under their belt, I think in the next year or two, provided people won't run them off, that we'll be in a really good situation here in the Charlotte area as far as officiating. So I'm excited for the future, even though I think, you know, we'll take some lump officials getting, you know, getting those game reps. Dale, what game were you at? Two quick things. All right. Please. Uh, I won't drink, and I'll, I'll try to get through this quickly. <laughs> I just started laughing when you started taking those shots. I'm, um, you know, I could drink more. I still have more, you know. And you didn't drink any <laughs> But one of the things that really bugged me this season. Look at Gary. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Well, right, you're, you're right. Maybe the, maybe, maybe the number of officials are up. But we have a lot of new officials, and it takes. Yeah, I gotta put y'all screaming. I think the inconsistency that I see in crews, oh, and quite honestly, one thing that bothers me a lot is I saw a game get out of hand in officiating with because of the officials that led to fights breaking out yeah. on the field yeah. that could have gotten worse, and that was because. Of not the worst officiating game I've seen, but certainly one of the worst that I've seen. I just seen. don't like when I see the officials get. I mean, we. I mean, everybody's seen the highlight of the, of the parent rushing the official in the end zone. I just don't like seeing right. that stuff. Um, well, they're not consistent. That's yeah. one of my biggest issues. Is is they're not consistent. Yeah, but I mean, they're not. Any, they're not any man that attacks an official should be charged with a felony. Oh, absolutely. for sure, absolutely. exactly, absolutely. All right, Dale. Next gen says this is no way. This is your first time taking shots of hot sauce. Uh, no, Dale drinks hot sauce all the time. Dale, Dale is. I've never seen a human. I've never seen a human being that can eat as much hot stuff as Dale Ross can. I've he never. Tricks, he tricks it's all not the guys. Hot. It's just tomato juice. He doesn't have hot sauce. No, man. no, Sam. Trust me. <laughs> I've been with Dale and Dale. I'm Dale, just you set yourself up for another challenge. I, yes. I know, no, no, no. Next I know, time I, I see know he you, Sam. That. I'll bring you some. <laughs> See this? this All right. is your you Grace, is your is your voice warmed up, Grace? Yeah, we're getting ready. Hey, All the right. greatest comment we've ever had in the private chat. We got to read it from Gary. Oh, Where is it at? Alex is iron. <laughs> read it, read it, Gary. Iron. Preston. I just saw that. Dell's Dell's mouth is hotter than Alex's iron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, it's time for Mr. Football.
Mike, you're going to tell us who is on your list as soon as I find your list. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Got, got a new list for this week. Um, and again, while Langston finds that, you know, I think what let's, let's start out, let's start out with the guys who are, who are almost there. Your, your bubble guys. Let's start. Let's start with your bubble guys. I found that one first. All right, so we got on the bubble guys, a couple guys here, and I think, you know, we know the names of Casey Conception, the NC State commit, um, and Chris Culliver uh, out of Maiden. And I think these two, again, we, we know their athletic ability. We know that they're, you know, the top receivers in this state. But I think injuries and, you know, in some cases, a little lack of production, maybe because of the games or, or things of that nature where their numbers aren't normally where they are, have them on our bubble as far as the Mr. Football list. I think as they get going, as they get in the bigger games and in the conference play, We'll see them. Caden uh, Haywood, again, he's on the bubble. We have a lot of talented quarterbacks in this class, and I think you'll see that as we get our list. So he's right there hanging on the bubble, continuing to play good ball, and I think he's right there. We've got Dana Lee's favorite target here, Zay Bridges, uh, Shelby receiver. Again, same thing. I think we've got a lot of great guys. He's going to be hurt, I think. You know, Shelby's played a tough, you know, non-conference and you know, schedule up until now. A lot of these games, I don't foresee him playing a ton of second half. So he's got good production, but we've got a, a lot of top receivers. That I think are going to just get more playing time than he will. But he's, again, he's a Mr. Do It All, rushing yards, receiving yards, that triple threat stat maker. I think that's going to keep him around this list the whole time. And finally, one of the best Chambers defensive players, Zarian Jackson Bass, still on this list, continuing to be a force. 11 sacks. 11 sacks. Um, Cameron, Caden Haywood, first year player on the list to possibly be the football player of the year in the state. What do you think about that? I think he's very good. I, I mean, I, it's kind of hard to judge him. I've seen him in a few games. Played really well against Catholic. Um, didn't have his best game against Chambers, but obviously that Chambers defense. Very good. Jackson Bass had a little something yeah. to do with that. Yeah, he he definitely did. Uh, so did uh, Jordan Thompson. But you know, I think it would be. I mean, he's definitely a candidate to win. You know, Mr. Football. But you know, he's got a lot still to prove. Yeah, I just think he, that's pretty he, impressive. To, he is uh, very. He is very multi-talented. He's an outstanding baseball player, basketball player. If he had a little bit more time to do, you know, to get specialized coaching in football, he he would be one of the top recruits in North Carolina next year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and Ms. Belk, I do agree. Uh, Josh is having a great year for, and, and Independence is having a great year too. All right, let's find out. So, Grace, you did a little something different with the list this week. I know, obviously, we got some new names on it, but you ranked them. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, this is a preliminary ranking. And I so, think right, so, hold on. So, right now, if we were giving out the player of the year in the state of North Carolina, the recognized player of the year in the state of North Carolina, if we go to Mr. Luke Bailey, it's obvious. I mean, I think you look at the stats right now. I mean, you have him as one of the top guys, just not right here, but in the nation. He's top 10 in America as far as 1,121 yards with 106 carries and 16 touchdowns. So, again, you have a guy that's top 10 in the nation. I think that you've got to warrant that level of, of support there. Um, you've got here looking at Mason Fortune, 1,733 yards, 20 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's the state leader in pass yards. He's right there. Again, a Dalen Lee right there, same thing. You know, that 20, 20 TD mark there for Shelby. Again, high efficiency, top numbers. I think a guy that's streaming up and really getting into the rankings there is Jalen Alexander Rayner. You know, we had that big seven touchdown performance early in the year, I think, against Northwest Guilford, um, against Reagan here. Again, big time numbers there, 12, I think, touchdowns through the air, 10 on the ground. A guy you got to watch out for. I mean, we know about Jaden Davis. Cutler Adams have been on the list. KJ Sampson, that first defensive guy, I think that's a guy you've really got to look at that's going to go. You know, we just talked about uh, the. Sacks. 
the other guy from New Bern, I'm sorry. I said he's got 12 sacks. Yeah, he's got 12 sacks. So we just talked about the guy, uh, Bremer, that had five against Havelock this past week. So, you know, he's not the only guy you have to worry for worry about on the defensive line. So, again, a lot of guys you're talking about QBs are dominant. You've got some receivers. Nathan Leacock with 840 yards, 13 touchdowns, the leader in the state. We had to add at the bottom, you see Javaris Green from Crest. He's continued to do well. He's number two in receiving behind uh, Nathan Leacock. He had 309 yards receiving in one game. And, and again, I think it was a game. Was that the Shelby game, wasn't it? I think that was a game he needed every Yeah, the Shelby game. This is, it was 54 49 or something like that. Just, I mean, just crazy. And, and I mean, you go down this list. I mean, I think Tad Hudson, he's having the best year, of course, so far of his career at a time when he's going to need it going into this Chambers game. I uh, got Noah Rogers, we all know about. You know, David Hobbs from Robinson is just, I mean, a monster. I talked to the, the Cup percent coaches the other night. I mean, they just talked about how he was virtually <coughs> unblockable the entire game. Um, Jamal Jarrett on this list as well. We added Bradley Brown out of Lee County. He's number two in rushing in the state, you know, 10, you know, 1,020 yards and 12 touchdowns itself. So we've got so much talent across this list that I think even just trying to put 16 guys on this list is hard enough as it is. And I think comparing these numbers, comparing what they're going to do and trying to project that across the rest of the year, you've got some really top guys. And I think for everybody that talked about Luke Bailey and him, you know, not doing that against people, well, we saw him against Charlotte Catholic put up some monster numbers still. I mean, I think Catholic is one of the best defenses in the state, I would argue. And we saw that they, you know, he was able to be supremely effective against them. So as of right now, I've got him up there. Again, this is definitely subject and, to change. You know what? You know what? I saw I saw Luke Bailey play for the first time the other night. And I gotta say, you know, people are telling me he wasn't that fast. He broke loose in the in the right in the middle of the field and he just ran away from people. I was like he looks pretty fast to me. And his vision, he's patient. He's got great vision. I was just really impressed with him. Um, all right, uh, Steve Hopkins says Josh Stone King from Gibbons. Alex needs to be on that list. What do you think about Josh Stone King? Well, Josh Stone King is one of the leaders of Nick Drew's defensive unit. Oh, we finally got it. There it is. <laughs> um, actually, uh, Josh Stone King uh, is a two-way player as well when Cardinal Gibbons goes to its power eye sets and short yardage situations. You'll see Josh Stone King line up at fullback and uh, be very effective in those situations. Josh Stone King is a three-son legacy player at Cardinal Gibbons. Uh, his brother, Anton, was a quarterback at Cardinal Gibbons. And then he had brother Grant, who came through the program. And Josh is the third of uh, three sons of Anton and Jennifer Stone King to play for Cardinal Gibbons. Very effective. On the defensive line, very effective in those short yardage situations. Had a touchdown against Wake Forest in that big win a couple weeks ago. So, in your opinion, should he be on this list right now? Well, I think when you have a defensive unit, the caliber of Nick Drews, which mm -hmm. returns seven starters at uh, from a state championship team, that it is appropriate to consider a leader of that unit among this group. Fair point, fair point. All right. We're going to leave that there. We're going to come back next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll remember to do the feature player next week. That's my fault. We're supposed to feature a player every week. Now, I apologize to Grice on that one. But now it's time for Alex to light a fire. North Carolina High 
Ohio School Athletic Association has been a beacon of excellence nationally and internationally in education-based athletics administration for multiple generations, spanning multiple decades. One of the ways the NCHSA has been so excellent is how it is able to use funds from interest generated from its endowment for many, many years to return said financial resources to schools year in and year out. That being said, it is time for the NCHSAA to use some of those funds that they return to schools year in and year out to pilot a program to institute and implement football replay protocols. Now, though we, we might not want to be hung up over the top on the technology that takes away from just the natural reality of the game. But we're in a situation now, we're in a situation now where the, the integration of technology is such that people go to the video and see if something was wrong. And that just further maligns outcomes when it doesn't have to be. So that being said, let's put the resources in place to institute and implement football replay protocols with the financing in place to help socioeconomically stratified schools and school systems to move closer to leveling the playing field in this regard in the regular season of the playoffs. Sam, you're a football coach. You want to see replay? Is it possible you do? I would love to see it. I don't know if it's possible because all we would have would be majority would be the, you know, the regular version. Like how would you overturn a fumble when all you have is just that one view? That eye in the sky. Yeah, we only have you only have a few views. Now I would love this. If we were able to get multiple, like you get an end zone view, you got sideline view and you might have the capability of you know everybody has camera people are doing video if there's any way to prove something on the field video evidence can be used you can have your own personal guy on your sideline and they have their own personal guy and they have the capability to put it into like some right. type of replay system and what, what about this what if we did it in the state championship while those games are being professionally broadcast <clears throat> yeah magnitudes of that game if we can get it to that standard where you know, regional finals and then state oh, we're looking at the replay in the press box every every play. We see it. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I think that'd be something good because at the end of the day, what I try to tell people, these guys that are coaching, these are our livelihoods. Um mm. this is this is a situation where you know one call can go one way or the other and it can affect your livelihood. It really can. Um sometimes it's not the official's fault, even in college and NFL guys are getting things wrong and it's not the officials fault in high school, give them some type of opportunity to help them out. And then you get same type of like, you know, you get three challenges a game or something like that to make the game a little longer. But at the end of the day, you can get some things right. You know, Gary. Um, I applaud Alex for his thought process, but this is still a basketball state. <laughs> We can talk about football all we want to. It's still a basketball state. It is. Shot it clock will come before instant replay. Somebody just yeah. added a shot clock. It was a 12 state that added. I forget which one yeah. it was. Yeah, the shot clock has been in the waiting line a lot longer than instant replay. So I can't even the basketball coaches on that one. But if, I think they can money's going to be spent on something. It's going to be on the shot clock. <laughs> all right. Do, they well, let me say replay. something here. They can do instant replay the state championship. No, 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 Sam. Go ahead, Dale. All right. I've had some conversation with some officials this week and or not this week, but this season and what the officials want to see coaches stop doing 
is bringing their iPads to them and saying, look at this, you were wrong. They cannot make changes right now. They can't, once they make a ruling, a ruling is done. They right. cannot go back, and I just wanted to get that out there. Oh, yeah, One of the yeah. other things I was going to say, but, 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 but totally agree. That. we're saying, saying, see, that was a touchdown. Yeah, we see that was a fumble. I, I think it's easy to do in a state championship, even in the regional championships. Yeah. Those are broadcast as well, so I think they could do replay in no. those without any additional cost. To Alex's point, well, I'm going to have enough cameras to Ariel's point and say, I like to follow up Dale's very valid point and say that this whole idea with these iPads, well, look at this, that and the other, on and on and on. Here, here's how it happened. I would be the first person, and I have done this, I will be the first person without this protocol in place to look at someone and say, there's absolutely nothing official about that. Get that out of my face. Well, he's told him to throw, one of the officials said, I told him to throw a red flag and I'll, I'll look at it. <laughs> All right, Cameron, I'll give you the last word we got. Go, go ahead, Cameron. Oops, I got to turn your mic on. I'm sorry. Do it in the regional finals or the state championships. Well, I think that would bring in a lot of controversy, honestly, um, because then teams that you know might have think they had a bad call against them, say, in the round of 32 or what have you, and, you know, they, they're real irritated and say, well, why wouldn't they replay in – you know, our game that could have changed the whole, you know, outcome. So I, I think if you're going to implement replay at any level, at any, you know, whether it be state championships, semifinals, it needs to be, you know, all season long. Across the board. Well, fair point. Fair point. All right, Alex, it's time for you to tell us who are the uh, the best games in the, in the state this week. week is very unique as a lot of conferences have bye weeks this week so that makes it a little different in terms of selecting games now that first game on the list we'll get to that a little later i think we all know about that we'll we'll talk about that in a little while uh carrier apex a good uh near town rivalry richmond at pinecrest always interesting because even richmond in a down year for the raiders pinecrest has always had a Maybe not a jinx, but it's been a challenge to uh, win against the Raiders. South Garner just beat Garner for the first time ever going to Cleveland in against an undefeated Cleveland team, which continues after Amari and Hampton and Skylar Locklear's graduations. They keep going on. Northeastern and Holmes in the northeastern part of the state, always very good. Uh, good Union County clash with Porter Ridge and Monroe. Uh, East Duplin and Kinston. East Duplin coach Battle Holly used to be the coach at Kinston, so that's a good Eastern North Carolina matchup. Winston-Salem, uh, Mount Tabor and R.J. Reynolds, two nearby rivals right there. Uh, Charlotte Catholic and Independence. Uh, D.J. McFadden called me out on the show a few weeks ago. He did. Uh, uh, here's an opportunity for uh, McFadden, who won many games as a quarterback at Independence, to get a, what would be a signature win at Independence over Charlotte Catholic. And then Butler at Providence right there. We, we all know the storylines in terms of our uh, thriving running back for the Panthers. Uh, Butler, which continues to persevere time and time again. A good Charlotte rivalry right there. Uh, 
So nine out of the 10 right there. We all know the one that we want to talk about. So uh, everyone else can go for it. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to let Grice break down the East and Western game of the week. We're going to start in the East, Grice. And uh, let me find your – I did I did save your charts. Tell me why South Garner is going to beat Cleveland. Oh, I mean, again, I think this is going to be a big game, a big step up for South Garner. If they're going to win, they have to use that running game to keep that potent Cleveland offense off the field. Jordan Reed, their running back, has averaged so far 157 yards a game. He's going to need to do that and more against that tough Cleveland defense. Uh, the secondary, they got to slow down the Cleveland passing attack. We'll get to Jackson Bird and his effect so far this year and his big season he's had in this state, which has produced a multitude of quarterbacks. But Jaden Swain and Jovan Wright, there's some young sophomore secondary starters. They're going to have to play good against this talented offense to make sure that they stay in this game. And finally, they got to show they can step up. You know, Alex talked about them getting that big win over Garner. This next game is going to be a huge step up. The combined record of their first four opponents is two and sixteen. So you go from facing some teams I think that have had their challenges to really you're, you're facing one of the best teams in your area. So they've got to do all these things and have that big time moment and, and catch, maybe catch a little bit of, of lightning in a bottle here to topple one of the best teams in the state. You're talking RPI rating right there. Tell me who Cleveland wins. Jackson Bird, baby, sophomore quarterback. I think, you know, we talked about Mason Fortune last year as a sophomore. Jackson Bird in this area is next up. He's going to show you why he is that next big thing. He's averaging 280 yards in the air, adding an additional 55 yards per game on the ground. He's their Mr. Do-it-all down, down there for them, and he's going to make sure that, hey, Marion Hampton's on the bigger and better things. It's his time now. But Bird also does this with the help of some big play receivers, Jay Sean Middleton and C.J. Hargrove. They're averaging over 18 yards a catch. And when Jackson Bird looks to go deep and take a shot, I guarantee you it's going to be the one of these two guys for a big play. And then finally, we know what South Carolina is going to do. They're about Jordan Reed. They don't throw the ball that much. So they've got to stop being Cleveland's got to stop the run at all costs. Their big defensive leaders, Gage Tremaine and Carson Cook, have got to play and use the you know, lead up to that you know that's that stereotype of their stifling defense that they've utilized so far and their uh stingy defense and not allowing that many points this year to keep them on that undefeated track i think that they've got the makings to make sure that they take care of this game early but if south garner can get that running game started and keep the offense off the field it's going to be one to check out early to see if it's there late i tell you what my game analyzer is better than your game analyzer all right, we're going to talk about the big game here in, in Charlotte, which I probably think is the game of the week. And you tell us why Huff's going to win, and then we'll do Chambers and we'll have a little group discussion. Oh, this is this is a game of the state. I mean, I, you know, with with respect to the East, I think Alex even kind of mentioned it's a lot of guy, a lot of games on by. I'm looking ahead to one five and zero matchup versus five and zero. Alex next week, I can't wait to talk about that one. I was hoping I would get to talk about that this week. But let's get to Huff again. If Huff wins, they use their elite special teams to a major advantage. We talked about Nolan Hoosier. If there was a way to quantify it, to me, he would be Mister Football in this state. You don't have the statistics to quantify how important he is with his kickoffs. Guarantee you, Chambers starts every one of their drives if he wants them to on the 20-yard line. And even if the, that offense gets the slow going, they get a couple first downs, they can flip the field with, with their punting and ensure that Chambers has to really drive the length of the field. Number two, they've got to let Huddy Doms cook, baby. I think Tad is, you know, he's he showed that he is really taking that next step. He's continued to grow each year. And if you go back and look at these Huff and Chambers games, they're usually marked by a big-time Tad Hudson throw on the first or second drive. I look at the the last game. Again, they were up 21-7. You had a big throw by, by you know, Huddy Doms to start that I think DeMarco quick. You know, whenever he's allowed to take that shot early in the game, Coach Olsen usually dials one up early to kind of give a heat check to that Chambers defense. Expect to 
see that in this, whether it's the first or second drive. I think it might be a little slot fade there uh, to, to Markel Quick just to test these DBs to see what's going on. The Huskies' young secondary, again, they, they've got to continue to shine. I think they're doing well, led by freshman corner Samari Matthews. Again, I'm telling you right now, that's one of the best young corners in this state right now. There is no freshman that is doing it like him. Um, he Again, he's played again. He's played against some great opponents. Dutch Fork, he's done well against us. He had a big-time interception against you know our guys. I've seen him continue to grow and gain confidence. This is going to be a major step up, you know, a major test against the talented receivers from Chambers. So if they can get some early confidence, maybe an early turnover, I think they're going to be in for a, a good matchup against this talented uh, receiver group. Yeah, I think that's a great call on the on the, the special teams for Huff. And we talk about Hooser a lot, but the punter, Owen Fear, I'm look, I just looked up his stats you were talking, 43.3 yards per punt. Sam, would you like to have a kid that can make it 43.3 every time he goes back there? Yeah, I would love it right now because we're not getting a lot of first downs. It would help out our defense a lot. Yeah, it, changes, <laughs> it, changes, it changes even when you are getting first downs. It changes the game to have a punter. All right, why would Chambers win, Greg? All right, so they've got to get production again. You know, Langston didn't put it on there. It's not Mark. It's not Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, but the other guys have got to get production from. You know, you talk about some of the great receivers like a Zion Booker, who just had 133 yards. It's on the Observer uh, Player of the Week this past week. They'll need a re repeat performance from him. Uh, Jer Jeremiah Harrison, sophomore already with the D1 offer from Virginia Tech. They've got to get him going. Running backs, as we talked, Braylon Vincent, we talked about, and Langston's written an article about, had over 100 yards in a couple games. Newcomer Jalen Pride this year that's that's gotten going, of course, uh, dealing with some injuries and things like that of that nature. They've got to get that production because Casey, you know, Conception has been limited this last week or two. We don't know his status for this week. So just in case he's not able to be 100%, these guys have to continue to show and be able to do the things that they, we know that they can do. Uh, number two, they've got it. James has got to play good defense and limit those big plays. Mm -hmm. Talked about as you've looked in the in the games early, you know, early on, seeing Chambers kind of let Huff kind of get started early, even in the in the, the regional final game. Chambers luckily came back with a strong performance. I don't think that they're going to continue to be able to be that lucky. I want them to start off for them to win. I want them to start off stronger because I think you know with what they have now, with the team that they have, if they get in front with that explosive offense, they're not going to give up. And finally, we, you know, you know, I call him Anshon when he's being professional. But when he's making plays, when he's being elusive, and when he's out there winning the game, that's Bubba Camp. He's got to be the best QB on the field to win this game. In the regional final, he was the best QB with a great performance. I think that second and 29 throw, yeah. well, I think it was second and 20. No, it's third and 26, I think it was, Gary yeah. Richmond, will live in infamy as one of the greatest plays, I think, in the past six, seven years, I would say, in a regional final game in Charlotte, as they were able to make a big-time throw to get that first down to go win that regional final in a game that I think none of us thought that they would win. He was the best quarterback on the field that night to win this game. He's got to be the best quarterback again. Uh, awesome. All right, let's break a little news, Cameron. Is Casey Concepcion going to play Friday? Yes, I did find out. Um, Coach um, A.T. from Chambers, he did confirm that Casey should be good to go. Um, it's kind of – I was teeter-tottering on this game, you know, who to pick. And, you know, when I found out Casey was good to go, you yeah, know, that kind of solidified my opinion as to who was going to come out on top in this game. Ooh, wow. Gary, what do you see in this one? Um. I kind of break it down into the three levels of play. Huff definitely has the edge in special teams with their kicking game. Um, I think Chambers' defense is a little bit better than Huff's offense. Um, you know, I, I, I'm interested to see where the Huff can can maintain long drives on offense. 
um, and not have to rely so much on a big play. And then um, I think they're even with Vance's offense and Huff's defense. I think they're even. So I give the special teams to Huff. I give the defense to to Vance, and I give the the um, one section being even. But I think Chambers will win in the end. Uh, I haven't seen Huff play a complete game. That's what cost them last year uh, in the playoff game. They played. They almost had one against Dutch Fort. They had a little bit yeah. of a like yeah, a yeah. They, they play they play forty minute games instead of forty eight minute games, and you can't do that. Uh, I guess a team like Chambers, and and plus it's played at Chambers, so I'm um, I'm gonna pick Chambers in a close game, um, but we all know they're gonna meet again in in late November. It always um, seems to be that way, Alex. Uh, we we've seen different types of games in this matchup. We've seen the little defensive. Here, here's the other key. Here's the other key that impresses me about Chambers. We before we came on air, we talked about the Foot Locker game, you know, about the officiating. Yeah. And one thing, Chambers has really cleaned up the penalties. Yeah. They don't get yeah. nearly as many penalties as they used to. It yeah. used to didn't matter to them because they knew they could overcome it. Yeah. But they've cleaned up the penalty situation. So Huff can't count on, you know, Foot Locker being a, a big factor in this game like it used to be. Great point. Great point. Alex, we've seen different types of games this matchup. We've seen the low-scoring games. We've seen the shootouts. What are we going to see Friday night? What are we going to see Friday night? It's going to come down to one question. We're going to see a spinoff of an old classic from the fabulous Thunderbirds. And I quote, ain't that huff enough? <laughs> Unquote. That's yeah. going to be on Huff's message, Huff's uh, social media this week. Is, is Huff tough enough to get the job done? I think it is. That doesn't mean they will get the job done, but I think Huff is tough enough to get the job done. Either way, fans should go out and enjoy this game because the defensive performances we'll see from the two defensive coordinators will be better than anything they can see sat anything better than they can see on Saturday at UNC Charlotte. So um, <laughs> let's, just, uh, let's just put that out there. Uh, I mean. We've been talking about it all week. That um, the the work of uh, of Drake Hannon is absolutely exceptional. We all know that. And fans, sit back and enjoy it because this will be th this will be the best defensive performance from two teams that you'll see in Charlotte this weekend because you won't see it from the 49ers. <laughs> all right, Cameron, go ahead. You got the last word. We got it. <laughs> You know, what's intriguing to me about this matchup is their quarterback play for, you know, both sides. You know, I got the stats pulled up. Uh, Tad Hudson's completing 67% of his passes this year with a 93 QBR. Uh, Bubba Camp's completing 71% of his passes with a 107 QBR. You know, I know, Alex, you're a big uh, defensive guy, and, you know, you like to throw around Nick Drew a lot. But I think, you know, this is going to be a shootout. I think Tad Hudson and Bubba Camp both are going to have uh, big games. Well, that, that should be some type of game on Friday. You're going to get to see it in person. There's going to be it's, a lot of people. And uh, they got, they're got not allowing – you have to have special permission to get on the field this week. So it's, it's a big Are you, deal. Is uh, Chachi coaching in this game? I do not know. 
I, I, All right, so we're gonna go uh, to the next step. So Greg, Greg wants to move on. We're gonna go to Fresh Vegas. We're here ready for a week five edition of Fresh Faces. Again, I'm alone today, so I'm going to man this thing solo. As we always talk about, we're getting the we're getting guys that you're not aware of and bringing them to the forefront to let you know that they're doing big-time things in this state. Let's stay here in Charlotte and go to South Mecklenburg. We've got Cash Hunter. We highlight him with a 19-carry, 110-yard and touchdown performance versus Palisades in their 14-6 win. He also added four catches for 28 yards. Then this kid is a sophomore. Again, he's this is his third straight 100-yard game. We know Coach Joe Evans out there at South Mech is going to ensure that he has the running game going, and this kid has been doing that for their program. South Mech, again, they, they start a little slow, but for the second time in three weeks, they've got them a W as they get into conference play. I'm looking forward to seeing how this guy can continue to explode and be a big time as he continues to show what he can do. So Cash Hunter, South Mecklenburg High School is a face to watch. Let's move and go to the mountains. We've got Javier Rice. This kid is a 6'3", 205-pound junior. Again, one of the most state leaders in passing with 1,422 yards and 15 touchdowns so far in five games. I like his game. Again, watching him, again, throwing screens, he's able to get that ball out of his hand quickly. In the face of the rush, he's able to show he can step in there and get that ball out to one of his receivers. So this is a kid I think that we're going to watch. Again, big frame at 6'3", 205. He's able to show some of his elusiveness here, how he's able to get out of the pocket and make some things happen. So, again, Javier Rice out of Asheville Christian, a name to watch, and I think he's going to continue to show and put up big-time numbers as he get into, gets into conference play in some of these bigger games down the road. Let's move forward here to Cam Smith out of North Stanley. Big-time performance over Random in this past weekend. Had 210 yards rushing, 79 yards receiving, and five touchdowns in this big-time win. The reason we got to highlight him, he's, he's starting to put up and compile these big performances together. Name you guys need to watch. As a senior, he's averaging 123 yards per game so far, starting to approach that 500-yard mark. We're seeing right here, again, a guy that's elusive. He can get on the sideline and he can, he can run away from defenders and shows the physicality and ability to make sure he can plow forward and get those additional yards. That wonderful yards after contact he's able to show, again, he's the reason why he's a face that we've got to watch. I love that elusiveness in the hole right there. How he, he's able to turn it look, look, might look like a three-yard gain into something bigger. So again, a name, name to watch: Cam Smith out of North Stanley. The final guy we have is uh, Marquise Wilson out of Southeast Raleigh. Head coach Evan Campbell, uh, Edwin Campbell loves this 6'3", 238 pound junior. He's starting to get on the get on the list here with uh, with the sacks. So he's getting tenth statewide in sacks with six total sacks, and he's averaging eight tackles per game. A guy that we've got to watch again. You see here on the defensive line, he's aggressive. He's able to get back to the quarterback, as we see here in this highlight. And these films show he's a big time guy that is going to make sure somebody you got to account for on that offensive line. Well, it doesn't matter if you have a tackle here, you have a back. That left tackle has no shot against this speedy guy here. So again, averaging eight tackles per game, he's starting to climb up the list in the sack total. We've got to make sure that you guys are aware of a big time guy here. So Marquise Wilson out of Southeast Raleigh. Big-time guy. Again, I think as they get in the conference, Coach Campbell knows that he's a guy that's got to bring them there. Got a substitute, baby. Let's go. Y'all know, know what this is? Substitute teacher, baby. 
Drop it. To teacher. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Put away your phones and take off your hoodies. Oh, my bad. Wrong place. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was in the classroom again. Is it Brokonda? <laughs> yeah. Guys, we got some interesting questions tonight. Sam, you've already lost one tonight. <laughs> really? Really, Gary? You've already <laughs> lost one tonight. You want, you want to go for the coin flip? I'm going to defer. I just want to win Friday night. I don't want... I can lose this tonight. It's okay. 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 All I right. mean, I've won every one this week. I've won every, I've, every time. I've been lost versus Grice this entire year. Okay. Well, win the day. How about that? Win the day. Win the day. That's a, that's a <laughs> new saying I like to hear. Win the day. Okay. Here we go. Question number one. Should high school football play JV games at the same site as the varsity on Friday, like basketball does, to cut down on on um, the cost of opening up a stadium on a Thursday night, and maybe to add revenue by added ticket sales. So, Grace, you first. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I might steal Sam's thunder here because I think a lot of this is more pertinent to, you know, schools like Sam, like where I've been in the past. But I, I disagree. I don't think that should happen. I think it's terrible. Um, I think one, you know, when you're not at a school with 200 kids playing football, you know, you really may need some of those JV kids to, to provide support. I know, you know, we, we have a ton of eight quarter offensive linemen where, you know, I mean, a freaking helmet could come off in the middle of a game, which happened this Friday night. And I've got one of my JV kids. I've got to burn a quarter for to play one play. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a kid who's a dedicated start on JV. Great kid, wonderful kid. He's not ready to play significant Friday night minutes, but we need that support in case something happens. You know what I mean? So by having this happen where guys play on the same day, it eliminates the eight quarters and it provides a distinct disadvantage for schools that aren't like the Mallard Creeks, that aren't like, you know, the Chambers with a ton of kids, that aren't the Huffs, where they don't need as many guys to go both ways and can do this to be successful. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a good idea in theory. I've actually been a part of the situation on a Saturday where we got the absolute crap kicked out of us at Hopewell versus Chambers. Um, it was a fun idea, but honestly, I think it was one of those things where JV became an afterthought where, you know, now Thursday night, I can focus on Thursday night. I'm there for JV. I'm 100% locked in for JV. Whereas if I had a varsity game two hours later, I'm sitting here getting prepared for the game. Sam? Yeah, I'm, it's hard to disagree with Grace on this aspect. I think that you would lose the quality of JV games if you do this because all the coaches necessarily, unless you have bigger budgets where you can have more coaches pay, where they have legit JV coaching staffs, but most coaching staffs, you coach both, and they'd be focused more on varsity games. Um, the other thing is, like he said, there's a lot of eight-quarter guys. You would make decisions where those kids are not getting as many minutes and getting developed as much. They'll be playing varsity because at the end of the day, you got to protect the varsity game. So now the quality of the JV games are going to go down because some of those guys that would be starting are necessarily your second and third string guys on your varsity. So now, would I love to have Thursday nights 
um, to be able to go home a little bit earlier, yes, that would be fantastic. But at the end of the day, we're here for the kids, and I think the quality would go down if we did that. Which way do you you guys think administrators would side? Not looking at competitive balance, oh, just looking at convenience. Yeah. <laughs> well, they yeah, save more yeah. bus money, I guess, if they made it one night. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I, I get it. I, I just – I mean, player safety here has to come to some semblance of an issue. And, you know, again, if we're all on some semblance of a level playing field, I would agree. But, you know, it's hard to compete with certain schools with numbers. No okay. doubt. All right. All right. The next question. If you could only have one choice in high school football, would you rather have a great offense with a below average defense or a great defense with a below average offense? Sam, you first. <laughs> well, I'm not going to be with the majority here. I would rather have a great defense with a suspect offense. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, that's not a surprise to anybody. The thing is this, that doesn't sell tickets. Um, it's not the popular choice. But if you have a great defense, you can always somehow be in games. Um, great offense necessarily you go against one great defense it's hard to score points i don't know great defense is just overcome i think and it's it's real football to me i think teams that have great defenses put rings on their finger down the road now it's good to have both but most of the time when you win a state championship you look at the end of the day it's not a scoring fest at the end they've had a great defense they might have a good offense with it but i don't know too many state champions that had a great offense and a suspect defense. I think they always have a great defense and then sometimes could have a good offense or a so-so offense. Same. I mean, let's be clear. Neither one of these teams is winning the state championship. You have a great offense and a suspect defense or a great D with a suspect offense. Sam, you had a great defense, but dang it, you had a five-star running back when you were on yours. Like, neither one of these teams ain't making it. We, we all you, got a, you got a quarterback that, that's in the army, and you got a running back that went to Tennessee or wherever. You ain't have no suspect offense. You had a great defense, <laughs> offense, special teams. Name a receiver. Name a receiver. It doesn't matter when you have a five star running back. I could have been the receiver, chilling. Yeah. Receiver. 14, they, were, they, were, they were allowed to play with 14 people in the box. And you still, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It did not matter. You still won state. You still won state. You had 17 people in the box. That kid, it didn't matter. It, 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 what's more important in high school? I think you, you talk about other. They had levels. the same kid. In high school, they had the same great kid his senior year. You said what? Same great running back was there his senior year. Well, we're not going to talk about that. Okay. okay. So that, the grinder wasn't there. Anyway, next story. Like, again, you got to have a great offense. I mean, I think in high school nowadays, you know, you don't, it's hard to find great corners. I mean, I, let's be honest. I've seen some of the best defenses that struggle with that cornerback position. If you have a set of great receivers, you have great quarterback, it is so hard to overcome, you know, it's so hard to overcome teams that you can outscore anybody just by the fact that you are able to get the ball down the field. Most people that aren't Sam Grinder, that aren't some of these great defensive coordinators if you get out there and four and five wide receivers they short circuit they really short circuit because a lot of these teams if you have a great d and have a suspect offense you're not used to being able to face a, a talented offense that can do a lot of things if you don't have a defense that's that great they're going against great offenses every day 
they'll find a way to make turnovers. Even a suspect defense might be able to get some turnovers. And if they turn that ball over twice, that's all you need. Let go, let all the points you can go. If I score every drive, you can't win. I know they say if the other team doesn't score, they can't win. If I score every play, every drive, I guarantee I'm going to win because I'm going to go for two one time and I'm definitely going to win. Grace, and I'm kind of siding with you on this because if you have a great offense and you get a lead, now you're dictating what type of offense your opponent is playing because they are playing catch-up. And maybe that's not their game anyway because they have a suspect offense. Now you're putting them in catch-up mode. And even though you have a suspect defense, you only have to play pass defense. You don't have to worry about the run because you got a big lead. Oh, gosh, you guys are so silly. It's not true. All right. Name a team that has not had the best defense roughly that's won a state championship in 4A, even 3A. I mean, it's like four teams that have won a state championship in 4A in the past, like, 10 years. And, and the offense is known, known as the best defense. Like, it's it, it, the point remains is that you to win a state championship you have to have a great defense and a definitely an above average offense or vice versa all this all suspect defense no suspect defense i, I agree good point good point yeah like that's it's either way you have to have some symbols of both you have to have d1 talent on both sides these days to win a florida state championship well we see we see these what you're saying right here we see this in college all the time there's a lot of like great offenses that are scoring no, I God. agree. And that's why I said yeah, I'm going to see one Saturday. Great offense, bad defense. <laughs> but they'll be in the game. Yeah. That's right. All right, our last question, guys. High school rules seem to be antiquated in a lot of aspects. If there was one rule that you could eliminate or improve on, what would it be? Sam, you first. My first on this one? No, I'm sorry, Grace. You first. You first. Well, and it's not even just a high school rule. This is one rule I think I've gotten to the point of where I think is just like so ridiculous. Why do we need captains for the coin toss? Like the referees never talk to the captains in any other situation but this. If there's a problem on the field or if stuff's going crazy, they are going to talk to the coaches. If someone gets kicked off, they don't go to talk to the captain and say, "Hey, your fellow teammates getting kicked off." Why do we have guys go to the kickoff? I, I, I go to the for the coin toss. Half the time they don't listen. They want like I, we had a situation one year. It's homecoming. One of our seniors wants to get whatever. We win the coin toss. My head coach told him to defer. I just hear on the headset my my head coach going, "What the hell?" And next thing you know, we're receiving because he wanted to get all excited and the other guy was talking junk. And so he's like, "We're going to outscore you." That's offensive coordinator. I was fine with it, but still, like, why? Like that to me, that rule sucks. We should just have two both have coaches go shake hands. Figure this thing out. Let the kids go get ready. I, I think that's the dumbest thing ever to still have captains in this day and age. Like, for what? We don't use them. <laughs> Not I bad. wasn't expecting that one. I, think, I wasn't expecting that one. I think they, they did. Well, one rule I would like to see change because it would be something fun to talk about. I don't know why they got rid of it or they haven't changed it, I guess, because of safety reasons. But the ball kicked it. Like, if you're doing a field goal or if you're kicking off and the ball crosses the plane of the end zone, you cannot bring it out. I think that that would be something unique to see, to see someone sitting back there about the goalpost, making a 108-yard return. I think that would be exciting to see, you know, to do. Someone's got to kick a field goal to win the game. You know, Hub's kicker's going for a 45-yarder. He just didn't hit it quite right, and then all of a sudden Chambers' guy's returning it, going the other way, you know, something like that. I think that would be kind of cool to see. The one thing that they did change – that needed to be changed because we're all about safety was 
throwing the ball away when you're out of the pocket. We used to not be able to do that in high school last year. They finally changed that. And coaches need to make sure you're telling your, you know, your quarterbacks, you're able to throw the ball away once you are outside the pocket. Now, are they monitoring that the quite right? You know, I don't know, but that's a great safety thing it needs to be. Because back in the day, you had to just take a shot. A quarterback would be outside the pocket. And those are the biggest hits. He was just taking shots or just throwing it in the traffic. And now we're getting back to real football. So they did do one thing right. It'd be kind of cool to see something you can bring it out of the end zone. That'd be kind of neat. Good. Very good. That, last, that last question made me win. Very question. I, I got to go with Sam on the last question, but I had to go with Grace on the first question. I was kind of neutral in the middle, so I think it was a, think it was a I, I agree with them on the first question. I'm going to give you one 0-1, Sam. So I'll give you kind of, you know. A tie. Wasn't your best day. Now, I, I've completely forgot to do the state rankings, so we're going to do those real quick. Um, I know we're real heavy, so we're going to start one day, Alex, just real quick, run us through the rankings. Not a whole lot of movement this week. We had a lot of bye weeks. Um, last week, we got a lot. Next week, Tarboro, Robbinsville, East West still ruling the roost, so not a whole lot to say there. Okay, let me let me find the two A, and I apologize, guys. I know we normally kind of let Alex break this down a little bit, but I, I it's my fault. I completely forgot. Here's the two A. Uh, once again, same situation. Not not a whole lot of movement. Uh, I, I will just give a shout out to Forest Hills there and defensive coordinator Frank Tom's five and O. Oh, I uh, got that big shutout. I mean, Forrest given 35 points in five, in five games thus far. I think the biggest challenge he might have is uh, his wife, Laura, is a math teacher at the middle school level. If you want to give any stats to use in math situations in a class, well, he's not giving up any points. So there's Grace, nothing she can say. Grace, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask Chris every week. Can any of these teams beat Shelby? Um, I think Burns has got the best shot of that. Uh, October 28th, they're going to decide that. Huh? October 28th to 27th. Exactly. So I think Reeves and Burns have your best shot, but they you definitely need to have Shelby somewhere around here, I, I think. I, I just think that – I mean, I know they're two and three, but I, I think they're one of the best two. Best two and three team in America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they're the best 2A team in North Carolina, if you, if you ask me. Is Dale drinking again? Yes, 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 he is, Gary. Yes, yes he, he is. is. All right, three, three a.m. Same thing. The beat goes on. We talk about that Cleveland County situation. Kings Mountain leading the three a rankings right there, and Shelby had one of his losses to Kings Mountain right yes, there. Yes. So you just see the power that we have. You see some more moving up from that uh, Greater Charlotte area, South Point from down in Gaston County, East Lincoln, always in the mix right there. Have like, just yeah. a little bit. I'll do the same thing to Alex. Can it, how many of these three A teams can beat Dudley? Mm. Well, no, no, you're 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 absolutely right, and and that just goes back to what we were saying about what a farce and travesty some of these rankings can be. You do these rankings. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say you drink that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is your ranking. <laughs> I I bet the RPI. I bet the, okay. I bet the RPI. Everyone knows what I meant. I met the RPI. That I just know goes, what you said. I just know what you said. That, that just goes back to what I said about how that RPI 
We all know the deal with Dudley. We all know the deal with Shelby. We know where Press they are. Press on, Alex. Press on. All right, for you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> well, once, once again, the same thing there. Uh, East Forsyth holding its own. Jalen Alexander Rainer showing uh, why he is an elite talent once again. We got three and four that we're going to see on the field this upcoming Friday. Looking forward to it. Cleveland continuing on with Jackson Bird, Cameron Goins, just keeping on despite the graduations last year. And then you see Gibbons, Mallow Creek, Weddington, Millbrook, who just continue to persevere. And as Gary said, press on. And they all press on. So. All right, Cameron, you want to give us your East Side thought or not? <laughs> Yeah, well, I can give that thought too, but I was going to make a point. Um, you know, I love Max Preps, but they actually moved Newburn ahead of Huff uh, recently when you know, we were talking about strength of schedule earlier when we, you know, discussing the RPI yeah. rankings and how that should be, you know, factored in. Well, Newburn, although they're undefeated, has a negative 1.1 strength of schedule, and Huff's strength of schedule is like 19.8 or something, Chambers 27, and I think strength of schedule should be factored in a lot more because, I mean, if you're playing the tougher teams, yeah, you might have one loss, but I think I mean, it's you're – It's fair to point know. out, Newburn does have a win over the Mari Commodores, which, you know, like Highland Springs, are one of the top five teams, five to six teams in Virginia. So I, I do think they still have shown that they can play and hang with those top teams. But, no, I do understand your point. But, I mean, they do have a quality win or two at least. Yeah, but the problem like is Max I mean, algorithm for calculating power – and strength of schedule sucks. All right, so, <laughs> so one question: Who is who is Charlotte Catholic lost to? Just Providence Day. Day. Providence Day, and they're not on this list. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah because because there's no way for them to break in. Fight Club. Just, <laughs> Butler too. Butler's right there. There's no way for them to break, to break in. Independence. And the should be creeping in there. Yeah. Yeah, but that, I think, Sam, that's what I'm saying. Sam, you, you, can't, you can't have a Charlotte bias. You got to look around the whole state. I'm not looking I at Charlotte Catholic bias. Should, I think so Catholic telling, should probably right. be in there over Mallard Creek, though. All right. So Ooh, you're, Mallard, you're Mallard, telling me Creek, Mallard, Mallard Creek took one South Carolina State championship. Yeah, but, I mean, we all seen how Gaffney and, I mean, they were – I mean, they're good. They're great. Don't get me wrong. but I mean They're not great. Well, they're, they're not as good as last year, I don't put think. put up 100 points on Rock Hill. Yeah. Like, I'm going to tell you all what, the one team I don't want to play in the playoffs is Mallet Creek, especially if it's cold and rainy or anything, any kind of bad weather. I won't play it. Beat you 14 to, 14 to 7 and go home. Oh, they're so big? No, Mallet Creek's defense is the truth, but I think you got anybody – I mean, I don't know. I think if you got any morsel of a defense, you can Sam, hold their offense. Sam, how big, Sam, how big is Mallet Creek? You played them last week, Sam. How big is Mallet Creek? They're gigantic, yeah. They're they're big guys, and they're really good on defense. Um, offensively, I've seen. I think Independence is better offensively. I think they're really. There's good some gaps in there, Sam. So what? There, there's definitely some roof yeah, for improvement on that offense. I mean, shoot, I, I wish their defense literally. Well, they scored twice on defense on us, and a yeah. kickoff. Number eight is a player. I mean, James a player. Hamilton. Yeah, he's yeah a, he, he might be a. Is he is he part the of the quarterback? Uh, gave it to him. That's why they scored twice on defense. That's yeah. Right. Well, I mean, we threw him to the wolves. Now he came in late, but <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm not saying anything. Well, that's your freshman quarterback, nineteen. Yeah, yeah, he's freshman. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, he's a he, he's he's that's, got that's plenty the, of time that, to grow. That's, 
That's that's tough. that's, that's tough. I'm saying if, if Mallet Creek can score 20 points, they're gonna be really hard to beat the players. Yeah, if they, get, if they yeah. score twenty points, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Yes. Well, and that's that's the thing. I don't think they'd score twenty on a team like Chambers. I really don't. And I think Chambers would probably I mean, score yeah. twenty-eight to thirty-five on. Well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get <laughs> see Chambers. You don't you don't understand? Well, at least that's what he said. I just, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get a chance to see that. But look, we're heavy. It's nine forty-five. Again, I, didn't, I didn't get mad at you this time, like after I heard that comment. We were about to make it till ten. <laughs> is Cameron gonna need protection Friday night? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Cameron might need. Yeah, Cameron might need a bodyguard on Friday night. I'm gonna make sure last put. Last, yeah, last, last hey, hey, put I'm complimenting Chambers. And 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 then again, Chambers scored two points in the state final. Yeah, we ain't gonna talk about the rainy game. Man, I know man, we ain't gonna talk about that. Hoops on Nick Twitter. Drew. Everybody, Nick Drew. Nick Drew. <laughs> In a monsoon, but we're gonna forget about the rain. Yeah, we're gonna forget about the rain. I mean, Carnegie gave us won that game fair and square. You gotta give them that they won the game. That's what the object is. The the yeah. All right, it's well, time, to put, it's time to put the big star in the in the big spot and give him his, his final say. I'm just one. I know it's not the game of the week, but it's a huge game for you know West Mech and West Charlotte. Um, the 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 eight, former AD, I think they're calling it the Lion Hawk Classic. It's a it's gonna be a game that a trophy's giving out. Big game. Yeah, I think it's West Max homecoming. Um, wow, this game is going to do for homecoming. Wow. Yeah. We're two and three. We are what our record is. Wow. They're four and one. You know, they're a better team than us. You know, so no you know, they're going to schedule no that. Respect. But um, come out to the game if you can. Really appreciate it. This is a huge game. The winner definitely gets a spot in the 3A playoffs. And so it's it's bigger than what – Another conference game would be because we both play in four A conferences. We're only three A teams, so if you can make it out there, that'd be great. Radies going to defect back to uh, West Shore. I mean West Mac. I, ha- I have a question. Uh, uh, Sam McCarran says ruin their homecoming. Plan on it. I have one question, Dale. Does CMS have these conferences right? Should West Mac and West Charlotte as three A schools be playing in the best four A league in North Carolina? Or should they be in the South SOMEC and maybe move somebody else in that league over there? Well, West Mech was in the South Mech Conference. Yeah, and I think they should. Either CMS needs the lobby to try to shift teams around to balance out power in all the conferences and not have such a heavy conference and such a weak conference and then kind of a middle conference mm-hmm. like what we have right now. Yeah. Um, so you say put Malachi teams the top, into the toughest conference in 4A? It's not fair. I, I don't think I the really state would have fair. an issue with CMS changing their conferences because it wouldn't affect uh, the state. I think I think that the 3A teams like West Mech and us, I think that we were trying to get in like Gaston County conferences, but they mm-hmm. completely were totally against that. That's a lot of travel. I mean, you'd be going up to, you know, that's a, that's a long I haven't way. had a home travel game. Is, Langston, I doubt Gaston County more than that either. Because Gaston County travel good over the river. Is travel a big deal, Sam? Gary says travel is, 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 it, is it a big try, deal within the I, county? I, I'm just saying in the county. Let's just, let's just be honest. I, I, haven't had a, I have not had a home game in three years. Okay, so yeah. I don't want to talk about travel. <laughs> but, but back to my question, though, Alex, what do you think? Should CMS look to, to move these teams around a little bit? Because it doesn't seem fair to me that West Mech and West Charlotte 
football and basketball especially have to play in that conference. It just it just seems like they're kind of at a disadvantage. West Charlotte got – I think they finished third in basketball and they won the state championship once they got it there. Absolutely not. Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, by its own willful and wanton actions, left itself vulnerable to the NCHSAA's realignment process under these circumstances. If Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools wants a different realignment equation, then Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools can take its own internal actions accordingly with the appropriate management of its average daily membership within its local education agency to make that happen such that it's not vulnerable to NCHSAA processes in realignment cycles. You need to send that to Erica. <laughs> we'll do. I mean, they really do. It's, it's, it's a huge, to me, it's a big disadvantage and it would make, it would, make, it would bounce the conferences out a lot more. I don't know who you shift over to the, uh, the what is the Queen City? I don't know who you shift over there, but I think you move Queen West Charlotte, West Mexico, whatever it is. It's and maybe put Mars Park back into the, the Southwestern. I don't, I don't know, but I just think that it 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 doesn't it, it doesn't add up to me right now. When and when those conferences came out, I was just kind of befuddled. What it can affect the three eight teams sometimes where you know, you definitely want to compete in those games. You're not saying you're going in losing, you know, you're not saying that type of stuff, but when it gets to a point where like you're just hoping to get out healthy, that's not a big factor sometimes, you know. Well, think about about Ridge, what do you think about Hickory Ridge in the Charlotte Conference? I don't think they want to be in Charlotte Conference anymore. No, how about no, slicing Myers Park's district and, and shifting some of those students over to other schools instead of having them being the largest school oh, such a big swap of students? I don't think I don't think that'll ever change this. I know it won't the politics. Now we're getting into politics. I do think maybe move Myers Park back to the southwestern, move West Charlotte, West Macon to Somek. And I don't know who you move over to the Queen City, but somebody move over to the Queen City. Well, I mean, Providence so what happened was Providence and Myers Park swap. Yes, basically. Yes. So Providence goes over, and Myers Park comes over this way. And well, while maybe, they do, well, you can even put Myers Park in the Queen City. They're they're the biggest school in town. You know, mm -hmm. you mean the South Mac or what? what the, the Queen? Office? No, the Queen City with Mala Creek and those guys. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, those are bigger, those are bigger schools. Right, Grice has that look on his face like it's time to go. <laughs> so we're very happy. It's 9.50. We're, we're just chatting. So anyway, thanks, guys. It's a lot of you guys still watching, so I appreciate that. We'll be back next Tuesday. Uh, we'll, 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 be, we'll be better organized next Tuesday. I apologize. That's Sam Grinder, football coach. We're shout out Lynch. That's Gary. That's Cameron, the guru in training. Uh, shout out to Chris. Chris is in New York flying first class from California to New York and going to the Hollywood Bowl. Chris is living his life. Dale Ross, one of the, the uh, longest standing uh, high school football observers I know of. Coach Grice, guru too. And Alex Bass, contrarian. And we are talking preps. Dale Ross, the